Heavenly Father, you are the bread of life, and you are living water. And Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that we can come before you this morning and listen to your word, because to you alone belong the words of eternal life. Father, we pray that you would help us put aside all distractions as we come now to your word to listen, and we pray that you'll give us the ears to to hear and our hearts be prepared to receive your word. We pray that Dave Shannon would um, preach your word faithfully as well um, and to help us uh, understand so that we might live for you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning's scripture reading comes from um, John chapter 9, um, and we'll be reading from verses 1 to 7, and then later on from 24 to the end of the chapter. Um, and it can be found on page 869 of your pew Bibles, John chapter 9. As he went along, he saw a man, from, uh, a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned? this man or his parents, that he was born blind. Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While while I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam, which this word means scent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. Jumping ahead to verse 24. The second time they summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory to God by telling the truth, they said. We know this man is a sinner. He replied, Whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. Then they they asked him, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered, I have told you already, and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? Then they hurled insults at him and said, You are this fellow's disciple. We are disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses, but as as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. The man answered, Now that is remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly, godly person who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. To this they reply, You were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out. And when he had found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? the man asked. Tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus said, You have seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. 
Then the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. Jesus said, For judgment I have come into this world, so that the blind will see, and those who see will become blind. Some of the Pharisees who were with him heard him say this and asked, What? Are we blind too? Jesus said, If you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. This is the word of the Lord. Excellent. Well, something that uh, you may or may not know about me is I love camping. Uh, my family and I, we love to go camping. We uh, seem to, we try to go in the warmer months. We wouldn't go camping now. Uh, anyway, our last trip was to a place called uh, Bear Gully. It's excellent. It's on the coast. There's not loud enough. Is that better? Excellent. Well, we love camping, and the last place we went was a place called Bear Gully. There's a picture of it there. Uh, it's on the coast. Uh, there's heaps of rock pools. Uh, it's super fun. Uh, and it, the nearest town is ages away. 30 minutes drive is the closest town. And so that means at night it's actually quite dark. And so when you walk to the toilet in the middle of the night, you need a torch. And the torch, well, it lights the path. You can see the puddle in the middle of the, on the path. You can see the possum doing its thing. The light gives you sight. And yet you need to be careful with the torch, don't you? Because if you shine it into someone's eyes, well, you will blind them. Light helps us see, but it blinds as well. Just like a blue skied summer's day. Sorry to mention that uh, today. Uh, but the sun is shining. Everything is clear because the, the light is, is so bright. And yet you don't want to look at the sun because you'll be blinded and you won't see for a while. I'm sure you've experienced that before. Light does two things. It gives sight so we can see, but it also blinds us. Now, Jesus has been in Jerusalem uh, for the last couple of weeks as we've been following along since John chapter 7, uh, and he is in his final year before Calvary where he will die on the cross and rise to new life. And he's at this festival of the tabernacles, uh, a celebration of, of God's provision, uh, a remembering of, of what the way that God had provided for them in the past and in the present but particularly as they, they wandered the desert for 40 years and God provided light as he led them on their way. And at that feast in John chapter 8, uh, we saw Jesus says, he stood and said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And so in our passage uh, this morning, as he read for us, uh, we see Jesus gives sight to a blind man, a man born blind. He says he is the light of the world and he switches on the light so the blind can see. And like all light, Jesus gives sight and he blinds. Jesus' light will expose the world, some to judgment, and some to salvation, some will be saved. And so we're going to see two types of people in our passage this morning who are exposed by the light. There is the man born blind who now sees, and there are those who think they see but are in fact blind. 
Well, first up is the man born blind. And I'm going to highlight a bunch of different points about this guy and this incredible, incredible, incredible sign. First up to notice is that his blindness has got nothing to do with sin. It is not related to sin. Have a look there from verse uh, 2. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? You see, the Jewish uh, thinking of the day was that if you were suffering, then it's because you had sinned for, for some reason. That in their thinking, in their, at that particular time, sin and suffering, well, they were connected. And at one level, this is, this is right. Uh, if we think about the fall in Genesis chapter 3, death and suffering entered the world because of sin. And so generally speaking, we suffer because of sin's presence in the world. But something that we cannot say, we can speak generally, but specifically, we cannot say that suffering of an individual, a particular suffering, is due to sin. You see, on a personal level, we can't say you are suffering because of your sin, that they are intimately connected. We can't say that today. Because the Bible actually gives us lots of examples of people who who suffer, yes, because of their sin and their rebellion against God. And yet on the flip side, there are examples of people who suffer despite being righteous. And so God can use suffering now to, to refine and to grow our faith. And while sin can be, while suffering can be the result of sin, so think of sexually transmitted diseases and the like, when, when we're suffering, we should really examine our lives. Are there things that we need to repent from? And yet at the same time, God uses suffering to, to grow our faith and trust in him, that we will depend on him in all situations and circumstances. And I think the book of Job and other places are really helpful for that. And so the question still stands, why was this man born blind? Have a look there at verse uh, 3. Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Now he wasn't born blind because he kept on kicking his mother's bladder during childbirth and so she constantly had to go to the toilet. That's not sin, I'm joking. Uh, Uh, but he was born blind so that God's works could be displayed through him, that God could be glorified as a man born blind can now see. His blindness has nothing to do with sin. The second thing to notice is that uh, he was completely healed. He was completely healed. After hearing from Jesus, he goes to the pool and he washes and he is completely healed. He completely sees. He goes from from complete blindness to complete sight, a complete healing. Now, for those of you who might know the Fred Hallows Foundation, it's not just some Fred Hallows miracle. The Fred Hallows Foundation is is a wonderful thing and they do some really wonderful things. But their brief, the big thing that they want to do is to stop preventable blindness, to prevent people from going blind who can otherwise be stopped, particularly in third world countries. You see, they are not healing people who are born blind. But Jesus, 
in John chapter 9, he completely heals the man born blind. It is an act of creation. He does something only God can do, who, who, who can reconnect and, and regrow the optic nerve or retina or whatever it is that has caused his blindness. You see, only God can give sight to a man born blind. The man born blind was completely healed. And yet despite this amazing, remarkable thing, people discredit him. The third point there, they discredit him. Have a look there from verse 8. This was uh, not in the reading, but I'll read it for us. Uh, Verse 8. His neighbours and those who had formerly seen him begging begging, asked, Isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, No, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. You see, blind people don't normally go on to see. It's not the normal practice. And so the neighbours, well, they were divided about whether it's him or not. And despite him insisting, it's me, it's me, they're like, oh, no, 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 it only looks like him. Now, I don't know who you think I look like, but I have been told I look like so many people, as long as they've got a beard, glasses, curly hair, I look like that guy. I reckon I've heard 10 different examples of people that I look like. Uh, And yet, I can tell you, I am not the insert, whichever bearded, uh, curly-haired guy you think that I may be. And yet, here is a man born blind who insists, I'm that guy, I was blind. But they do not believe him. They discredit him. Oh, it can't be that guy. It only looks like him. And so he's brought to the Pharisees and they don't believe he was blind either until his parents are brought before them who insist that he is their son and that he was born blind. We said in verse 20. And so despite the man himself, some neighbours and his parents, all declaring that he was born blind, well, people won't listen. They want to discredit the evidence and they don't want to believe. Because how can a man born blind suddenly see? Well, they discredit him. I wonder if you noticed, as, as uh, Z read the passage for us, if you noticed, noticed that a progression from, from the start to the end. This, this man born blind, he progresses in his understanding of, of who Jesus is and his identity from the start until until the end. So right at the start, as he's healed, he recognises Jesus as just some dude. Oh, you know, that bloke, uh, Jesus. But then by verse 17, as the Pharisees ask, he recognises Jesus as a prophet. And a prophet is, others have recognised him as a prophet in John's Gospel. Uh, you know, he's done these extraordinary things, uh, uh, So and so he must be someone sent by God, sent with God's word. He must be a prophet. And yet his, his understanding it, it continues to progress. And, and it progresses under persecution. You see, the Pharisees are convinced that Jesus is, in a, is a sinner, but the man born blind, all he knows is that he was blind, but now he sees. And so he says in verse 32, have a look there, he says, 
Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. You see, he understands the significance and wonder of a man born blind receiving sight and that it must be a work of God. And so his logic, his understanding, his thinking here is that he must be, Jesus must be from God, otherwise he couldn't do this amazing thing. But he continues to progress. Have a look there in verse 35. Jesus said to him, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? The man asked. Tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus said, You have seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. Here is a man born blind. And he progresses from knowing very, very little about Jesus, he's just some dude, to confessing him as Lord, as Lord God, and trusting and believing in him and bowing down in worship, a task that is only reserved for God himself, recognizing him as the one who reveals God to all people, the Redeemer from God. You see, Jesus switches on the light so that the blind man can see physically, but he switches on the light so the man can see spiritually and see with eyes of faith. And this man's progression from uh, to, to faith has really come from looking at the evidence and what's kind of happened around him. He's looking at the facts of what's happened. It, it is not blind faith. I went to uh, these caves in South Australia once called the Tataluna Caves. They're they're amazing, amazing stalactites and stalagmites. My kids know which is up and down, I I don't know. Anyway, these caves, they're lovely. And uh, uh, this kid, a 16-year-old boy, he uh, he was going rabbiting and sending his ferret into holes to kind of get rabbits to come out and catch, catch them and eat them and stuff probably. But anyway, he lost his ferret and he was devastated, lost his ferret. And so he goes down this hole and uh, finds this amazing, amazing cave. Uh, and his very first trip into this cave, no torch, no nothing, 30s, remember, 1930s, there's nothing. So he blindly felt his way around. I was like, man, this is amazing. But it was a real leap in the dark as he was kind of walking around. And while some people will say that to be a believer, that Christianity, well, it's just a leap in the dark. It is blind faith, feeling around, but but there's no real evidence. You have to believe despite despite contrary evidence. And while some will claim that Christianity is unfalse and true, there's no evidence, well, look at this man born blind. He examines the evidence of what's happened before him. And he has come to faith. It is not blind faith at all. The evidence he looks at is there in verse 25. I was blind, but now I see. And only God could do an extraordinary thing like that. And it's a gradual process. It's not like he's suddenly, oh, I've got it. There was a gradual process in, in his understanding. It wasn't an immediate thing. He progresses in his understanding as he examines the evidence for himself and gradually over time while he comes 
to faith. And you see, it's the same for us today. Uh, becoming a Christian, well, it isn't blind faith. It is not taking a leap in the dark. We will need to examine the evidence for ourselves of the Gospels, the, the life accounts, the life stories of, of Jesus, eyewitness accounts, like, like we have been in John's Gospel as we've been working our way through it. And, and we may be at different stages of where we're up to in examining the evidence for ourselves, maybe the first time today or, or we've been looking at it for a, for a number of years. But let me encourage you to continue looking at the evidence before you. Jesus has done some pretty amazing, pretty incredible things. And he's done that so that we would recognize him and put our trust and faith in him. You see, the evidence is there before us. The man born blind, he examines the evidence for himself and he believes. Well, the final thing we'll notice about the man born blind is that he encounters Jesus. Uh, At the very start of of the chapter, he encounters Jesus who switches on the light so he can see physically. And at the end, he encounters Jesus again. And it is a divine intervention. He switches on the light of faith. He now sees with spiritual eyes of faith. Jesus switches on that light in him of faith and only Jesus can do that. And the man responds appropriately with faith. But you see, this isn't always a given. Not everyone who who encounters Jesus will will come to faith. Think back to to John chapter 5. We saw the, the paralyzed man, paralyzed for 38 years, unable to walk, lying on his mat. And he was incredibly healed by God, a one, another one of these amazing acts uh, of God, a wonderful sign pointing to the identity of Jesus. And after being healed by Jesus and being interrogated by the Pharisees, what does he do? Well, he doesn't side with, with Jesus. Despite this amazing thing happening to him, unable to walk for 38 years, up he gets and walks, he rejects Jesus and sides with the Pharisees, he doesn't land in faith. But as the man born blind encounters Jesus, well, Jesus switches on that light for him and he shines his light into this man's life to give him faith and life. Look, we might be investigating Christianity today uh, and still examining the evidence Or there might be people that we so desperately want to know and trust in him. But unless Jesus switches on that light, it won't happen. And so we need to ask God to switch on the light of faith in people. Whether that's someone we want to believe or whether it's uh, ourselves that we would ask God himself to switch on that light in our lives and others too. Jesus is the light of the world and his light, well, it exposes the world with his light. And he switches on the light of faith in this man's life. He gives sight and faith. Well, Jesus is the light of the world giving sight to some and yet blinding others as well. 
and he blinds those who claim to see. We'll see that in the second group of the Pharisees who claim to see but are really blind. You see, the Pharisees, uh, I don't know what your picture of the Pharisees are, but they're usually painted as the bad guys. You know, I've, I've done this myself. I'm guilty of this myself. As I read the Bible with children, I can, you know, call them the bad guys. Ooh, you know, they're, they're the bad guys. But, but the reality is they, they were just uh, regular guys. They were good guys. They were upright. They were respectable. They were the Bible guys. They tried to uphold the law of Moses as best as they could and to help others. Uh, do the same. They would have been the respectable people that we can think of uh, in our society. But you see, when it came to Jesus, they were confused. They were confused about Jesus. They didn't know what to do with him and, and they were divided. You see, some thought he was of the devil, a sinner. He must be killed and yet others saw him as, as a good man amazed by the things he'd done. They were confused. You see, Jesus had had marveled the crowds uh, ever since he'd started his earthly ministry. He'd confirmed the things that he had said by the things that he'd done. He, he, had, dead and he, had, did, he had done things and said things that only God himself could do and say. And so Jesus demonstrated that he was the Son of God, God's promised future King, God in the flesh, the great I Am, like we saw last week. And yet they were confused by Jesus. And while they were confused about Jesus, there was much blindness towards Jesus. You see, they were unable to see Jesus' identity as, as the God's promised future King. There was deep resistance to Jesus. They were unable to budge. They were unable to, to move in their understanding of, of who God was and through his word, despite the evidence, despite the things they had seen with their very own eyes, that the lame could walk, that a man born blind could see. He said they couldn't accept that their understanding of things could be wrong. And so they refused to look at the evidence and rejected those who did. You see, they rejected that Jesus was from God because he healed on the Sabbath, verse verse 16. And they assert that Jesus is a sinner because only a sinner would do something like that on the Sabbath. And so they tell the man born blind. Have a look there from verse uh, 24. They say, Give glory to God by telling the truth. We know this man is a sinner. What they're saying here is, fess up, tell us the truth. We know, we know you don't, but this guy, Jesus, is a sinner. And so he replies, verse 25, whether he's a sinner or not, I, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. You see, he's presenting the, the evidence uh, before him. But how do they respond? Have a look. Let's continue looking there from verse 26. Then they asked him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered, I've already, uh, I have told you already and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? 
do you want to become his disciples too? <laughs> I love that. That's so funny, the, the, the funny side there. I think we're meant to see the funniness of, of that as he asks them to be their disciples. You see, despite the evidence, they, they just don't listen to him. In fact, they begin to, to shout over him and, and hurl insults at him, verse 20. It's kind of like the person who, who sticks their ear, hands, fingers in their ears, they close their eyes and say, oh, I'm not listening to you. I'm not going to listen. That's kind of what they're doing to, to this guy as he's speaking to them. And while they claim that they don't know where Jesus has come from, well, the man born blind says, verse 30, have a look there. Now that is remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. Down to verse 32. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. You see, looking at the evidence, Jesus must be from God. Otherwise, he couldn't have done these amazing, incredible things. And to this they replied, verse, verse 30, 34, you were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. You see, they can't handle what this man has said. They deny the identity of Jesus and so they reject all the evidence that points in that direction. Even if it's as clear as day before, then they reject it all. And so they belittle the man because he believes the evidence. You're steeped in sin. You're just a sinner. You can't speak about this. You know nothing. You are inferior to us. You can't lecture us. We are the Bible guys. We know. And so they claim the higher moral ground. You see, the Pharisees, they deny that Jesus is God and so reject all the evidence that points to that truth, regardless of how convincing or good that evidence might be. They reject all the evidence. And they reject those who believe the evidence. <clears throat> they, 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 they claim he's inferior, second-rate, scum, steeped in sin because he has believed the evidence. You see, the Pharisees' thinking here is really similar to the way that some people will deal with Christianity. I don't know if you remember the, the new atheists like uh, this guy, Richard Dawkins, uh, and the like, the, the militant atheists who venomously reformed all forms of religion. You see, the way that they act is really similar to the way that the Pharisees act here. You see, the new atheists, they deny the existence of God. They say it's all superstition, it's all conspiracy theories, and they are really highly critical and dismissive of those with, Christian, uh, with religious beliefs. They will reject any evidence that points to the existence of God. They claim there is no evidence for the existence of God. Science has trumped God. God science wins, God loses. And some will even go as far to claim that Jesus didn't even exist. Despite the fact that historians have said, unbelieving historians, those who don't trust in the Lord Jesus, who say that Jesus without a doubt did exist in history. He was a real man in history. And yet they would deny that he existed. Despite the evidence, they reject it. And if you believe that there was 
a God, then you were stupid, irrational, and illogical. If you didn't believe what they thought was true, then you were nothing but a fool. You were dismissed as obviously stupid and evil. And you see, while this militant, uh, aggressive uh, atheism seems to have dropped off the radar, I don't know if you've noticed that, I read some articles this week saying that, that most uh, new atheists have turned to atheism uh, instead, so they're not as aggressive as they were in the past. But I, but I think these, these, this line of arguing is still present uh, in, in, in our society today, particularly in the way that people act and behave when it comes to social issues, like the freedom of speech or, or views on, on, on gay marriage and marriage and, and sex in general or, or euthanasia or, or education. You see, an example that I saw uh, last year from a, from a Facebook uh, friend of mine uh, during the postal vote last year was that this was, this was his post. He said, if you're going to vote no then I am not your friend anymore. I cannot be your friend if you would be that much of a fool to vote no. I don't want to know you anymore. You see, that is the way people will act and behave, particularly when it comes to social issues that are contrary to what God teaches in the Bible. People will shout over you, they will dismiss you and say that God does not have a place in our society and does not have a place on social things. They will reject the evidence even that might point to the fact that God and his word do have a place. We will be mocked, will be rejected and treated like fools. And yet here's the wonder of this man born blind. Despite the way he is treated by the Pharisees, despite the persecution, despite being kicked out, he stands with Jesus. He stands with Jesus. And as followers of the Lord Jesus today, we are to do the same. We are to stand with Jesus no matter what. Even on, on social issues that might mean that we become unpopular. We are to side with, with God and his word. And when we do, it's most likely that we will be treated poorly. Just like this man born blind, we'll be mocked, we'll be ridiculed, we'll be kicked out. But you see, standing firm for Jesus, uh, the light of the world, whose light shines into the world, is the only way. And while we will love uh, the light, those who reject Jesus, will they love the darkness we saw in John chapter 1. And they will happily, happily mock those in the light. Jesus is the light of the world. And he tells us in verse 39, For judgment I have come into this world, so that the blind will see, and those who see will become blind. The true light has come into the world, and he shines bright, exposing all. For some, those who are blind, that have engaged with the evidence, who have come to Jesus willingly and accepted him, who stand firm to him and his word and believe, well, these are people who Jesus has switched on the light of faith in their lives, in our lives. And yet at the same time, there'll be those who see this light, who think they know, 
who claim the moral high ground, who think they know best, better than Jesus, like the Pharisees we see here, who, who reject the evidence, well, they are blind. The great light has shone in their faces and has blinded them. Has Jesus switched on the light of faith in your life? Well, continue with him, regardless of the persecution that you might face. Stick with him and his word, because he is the great light, the light of the world, and to walk with him in that light is the only way that we can have life. Well, I pray that we will. And so let's do that now. Let's pray. Father God Almighty, we give you great thanks for our Lord Jesus, the light of the world, that he has shone his light among the world. And for us who believed, he has switched on the light that we may come, that we have come to faith and trust in the Lord Jesus. Father, we do pray that you would help us stand firm with him always, despite of of the persecution and suffering that might come for us as we stand with him and his word, that we would do so knowing that uh, light leads to life. Father, we pray for those who, who do not yet know you, those who are dear to us, that we would so love you to switch on their light. Father, switch on their light that they may come to know Jesus as who he is, as Lord and King and the great light of the world who gives life. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.